We can have in-person worship again, and so we just appreciate everyone who comes in the morning and in the evening to follow all the safety guidelines. So you'll see that the pews are marked off again, and we have hand sanitizer and mask if you need them. And so in these ways, uh, keeping each other safe, that we're able to continue to do this. So we're glad that you're with us. We have an online friendship pad, and we invite you to sign that if you're worshiping with us online. And if you're a visitor with us this evening, there are visitor cards in the pews, and we invite you to fill those out so that we can get in touch with you, and you can place those uh, in the offering tray uh, as you leave. We had a wonderful youth event tonight, and, um, and so we're so glad to have the youth together, and we're glad to have some youth here with us tonight. We hope that this will become a part of your routine um, after youth group to come in and worship with us in the evening. Um, and we welcome, continually welcome um, Christopher Greco, Greco into our staff and as a part of the GPC family. We had a great uh, congregational annual meeting that today at noon on Zoom. And in the congregational meeting, we are so grateful for the nominating committee and bringing a great slate of new elders and deacons that the congregation then approved, elected. And uh, we're looking forward to their leadership as they come on uh, in June. We give thanks, too, to the Stewardship Committee and their really good and hard work for bringing a 2021 budget to us that um, the session had approved and then the congregation received this information. We thank everyone who's already submitted your 2021 pledge cards. And if you haven't yet, there's still time. And you can do that by contacting Fred Turvery um, in the church office to submit your 2021 pledge. Um, we have an event coming up, the Congregational Life Committee does. It's going to be called Guess Who's Zooming to Dinner. So our usual Guess Who's Coming to Dinner is going to be on Zoom. And you can find information about this on the website. It's going to be on February the 20th at 6 p.m. So save the date, mark your calendar, Make a reservation through an RSVP, and you can find a link about that on the website. And if you have any questions, you can call the church office and find out. So we're looking forward to this uh, Zoom dinner together. It's going to be an Italian theme, and there's a lot more information um, that we're happy to share. So you can call the church office to find out more. I have a full page about it here, but um, that I'd be happy to show you. But that's coming up on February the 20th. So... We look forward to that event, and with that said, I invite you now to prepare your hearts and your minds for the worship of Almighty God. How about we all stand up to worship together? Um, this first song is called, What a Beautiful Name. It has beautiful lyrics, um, and I would just like you to interiorize them and sing them from your heart. So, yeah, let's worship together.
Yeah. 
sih Our scripture reading for tonight is from the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 1, verses 21 through 28. But before we hear God's word to us, let us turn to God in prayer. Almighty God, you have gathered us in to this holy space so that we might worship you and glorify your holy name. As we draw near now to hear your word read and proclaimed to us, still all other voices but yours, so that we may hear you clearly speaking to us, and then we might, by the power of your Holy Spirit, become more than merely hearers of your word, but truly doers of your word in all the world. In the name of Christ Jesus, we offer these prayers, and together we say, Amen. So again, Mark 1, verses 21 through 28. Let us hear God's word to us. Then they went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came... Jesus entered the synagogue and taught. They were all astounded by his teaching, for he taught them as someone having authority and not as the scribes. Just then there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us? Jesus of Nazareth, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent, come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing the man and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed. And they kept asking one another, what is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him? At once, Jesus' fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Storytellers have an amazing gift of weaving bits and fragments of experiences and tall tales into spellbinding stories that continually draw us in over and over again because we want to hear the rest of the story. Some of my favorite storytellers are Fanny Flagg. You know, she's folksy and fresh. She's endearing, she's affecting, and she takes us back and forth in time with her southern characters, and we always want to hear more about their lives. 
I love also the writing of C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien and even Anne Lamott as they, in their storytelling, weave in the gospel story along with their stories. And I love how all of those authors do that. And then there's Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton, that masterful storyteller through the writings of her beautiful songs. She takes ordinary life and ordinary people that she encounters every day, and she has just a magical way of weaving these stories into beautiful songs that truly are stories put to songs. Storytellers have always been present in human history, for written history and tradition was first shared through storytelling. Think of the ancient Hebrew scriptures, how those stories were spoken word before they were ever written down on papyrus. Think of Jesus' teaching through his parables. You know, those little stories with great big meanings where Jesus challenges the status quo and flips people's preconceived paradigms on their heads. His lessons are more easily remembered because of his art of teaching through storytelling. Oral tradition or storytelling is the source of the gospel according to Mark's writer. This writer, who was most likely a disciple of Peter, is the first one to write down the gospel message. And he writes it down as he has heard it for decades. He very much wants his readers and his hearers to know the sense of urgency for everyone to hear about the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and about God's coming kingdom. He wants in their hearing for them to repent of their sins and then to follow Jesus in their own lives. He writes with a focus on Jesus' death and resurrection and what it means for everyone who hears the message. In Mark, Jesus is somewhat of a mysterious figure, and that's why our sermon series during these weeks is titled, Jesus, Man of Mystery, because we're hearing the gospel from Mark's story. Jesus seems intent on keeping people from understanding who he really is until he is ready to reveal. And we can certainly hear the mystery in today's narrative. It begins this way, Jesus and his followers went to Capernaum. So in this catchy first sentence, as good storytellers do, we're quickly drawn in to wonder what's going on in this sentence. Who are his followers? Where have they been before now? And why Capernaum in Galilee? So Mark introduces us to Jesus through a series of short stories. It's his writing style where he shares these narratives that are both separately and together, the most beautiful invitation to the kingdom of God. If we are but paying attention to what Mark is up to, and more importantly, to what Jesus is up to. If we've already been with Mark in the first part of chapter 1, then we've heard his short stories about John the Baptist, the one who came before Jesus, 
And then Jesus' baptism, where the Holy Spirit alights on him like a dove and a voice from heaven proclaims, You are my Son, whom I dearly love. In you I find great happiness. And then Jesus immediately being sent out into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit, where for 40 days he is tempted by unclean spirits, demonic spirits, if you will. And he was cared for by the angels, while, as Mark writes. And then Jesus comes out of the wilderness. He hears about John's arrest, and he goes into Galilee announcing God's coming kingdom, saying, here is the time. Here comes God's kingdom. Change your hearts and your lives and trust in this good news. And then Jesus walks along the Sea of Galilee and gathers up four fishermen. He gathers up Simon and Andrew and James and John. By the power of the Holy Spirit, they drop their nets, they leave their livelihoods, and they follow where Jesus calls them to go. All of these little stories, these vignettes, are told in the first 20 verses of the gospel according to Mark. So when Jesus goes into Capernaum, this seaside Galilean village, he has four followers at that point. This background helps us to answer some of the burning questions that we had after reading that first sentence. Who Jesus' followers are, where they've been before now, and why Capernaum? We can see that Jesus is at the very beginning of his ministry when he goes into the synagogue there at Capernaum. In Mark's gospel, unlike Luke's, we don't hear how Jesus went into the temple at Nazareth and picked up the scroll of Isaiah and read from the scroll of Isaiah and thus proclaimed what his mission and ministry would all be about. Luke is a different kind of storyteller, and to him this is a very important piece of information for his readers to have. Remember that Luke and Matthew and John all had Mark's gospel in front of them because Mark's was written first. And so they take Mark's gospel and they expound upon it, and then they tell it in their own style of writing, and and they add to it. They include some things and other things they don't. But it's important for us to know this little piece about Jesus about this mystery man. So let's listen to what Luke writes when Jesus goes into the temple at Nazareth. He writes, Jesus stood and read from the scroll of Isaiah, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me and has sent me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives to recover sight of the blind, to liberate the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, Luke sandwiches this telling of Jesus going into the synagogue at Capernaum by first telling Jesus going into the temple at Nazareth and really reading from the scroll of Isaiah and then establishing his own mission and ministry. And then he has this this telling of the teaching in Capernaum, and then he follows that by the calling of disciples. So that's the sequence that Luke tells. But for Mark, he starts 
with this teaching in Capernaum. And thus, Jesus is more of a mystery to us about what his mission is at that point. Jesus has come out of the wilderness after he has defied unclean spirits. And then he announces God's kingdom and declares that all people must change their lives and then trust in this good news that he comes to share. Then he gathers up this handful of fishermen and they come to follow him. And then he goes into the synagogue. Jesus is definitely a man on a mission, but he's still a mystery to everyone he's encountering here in Mark's gospel. Now, teaching in the synagogue was a role of the Jewish religious leaders. For the synagogue was a place of reverence and prayer and worship and teaching and preaching and gathering in of the community. But folks didn't just walk in off the street and start teaching, except Jesus did. And he, when he does so, he is crossing the established boundaries that the religious leaders have set. And even more astoundingly and astonishingly, he does so with authority, which causes everyone present and even us to wonder, whose authority? Who authorizes this man to come and teach in this sacred place? For whom does he speak? Who are you? Or maybe even, who does he think he is? They might have been wondering, or at least uttering under their breath, or maybe even saying out loud. I invite you to look at your bulletin cover for a moment for the artist's rendering of Jesus standing there in the synagogue teaching. Everyone is listening with great intent. It is obvious that he speaks with some sort of authority, but whose? What Mark is doing is setting the stage for Jesus' authority to be contested throughout Jesus' ministry. And furthermore, his presence, his words and deeds are going to threaten those who seek to claim authority over people's lives. So in this moment, while everyone is listening intently, while they are wondering... Mark then introduces the first one to contest Jesus' authority and interrupt his teaching. And indeed, it is one who has control over a person's life. It's an unclean spirit. Pneuma akathrotos is the Greek. Akathrotos describes something that's morally stained or unfit for ceremonial use. And pneuma is spirit. It refers to a singular being who has independent agency but no physical form. So pneuma akathrotos put together is a spirit that is unclean or unpure. This spirit has agency over the man who enters into the synagogue. It's the first time in Mark's gospel that Jesus' authority is contested, but it won't be the last. The unclean spirit speaks with disdain and arrogance at Jesus, saying, Have you come to destroy us? The word is plural, indicating that there are several unclean spirits within this man. Now, we don't know anything about this man 
whose body contains the Spirit. We don't know anything about his background, his faith, or lack thereof. It's only the Spirit who addresses Jesus, and it's the Spirit that Jesus quickly puts in his place. It's the Spirit that challenges Jesus' authority, and Jesus stops it in its tracks. Mark makes it very clear that the unclean spirits are fully aware of who Jesus is, what his authority is, and whose authority he speaks from. All those questions we were wondering a moment ago, along with the religious leaders in the synagogue, the unclean spirits are fully aware of who Jesus is, but the religious leaders have no clue. The unclean spirit also knows that Jesus, Son of God, is more powerful than they are, that he will cast them out and that they will obey him. Now, let's remember, too, that Jesus has just come from spending 40 days where he was tempted over and over again by unclean spirits, demonic spirits, if you will, And so they know, and they say, I know who you are. You are the Holy One from God. And just as quickly, Jesus shuts them down, saying, Silence, come out of him. And they obey. In that moment, those in the synagogue are are astonished. They are amazed. That's their reaction. When they see and hear Jesus not only teaching with authority as he has just done, but now he is healing with authority. We know nothing more about the man or the spirits, for they are not the point of Mark's short story, and he gives them no more press. His point is the establishment of Jesus' authority here in the beginning of his ministry to both teach and heal. And God uses the unclean spirits to announce where his authority comes from. It comes from Almighty God. So even though they know, Jesus refuses for these spirits to be the ones to spread the news. He doesn't want the testimony of unclean spirits, and his time has not yet come. Jesus will define his own identity by his life of service offered to others, and given to honor God. This is Jesus' story. It is his alone to define and to let be known, always leading those in in his midst to see the coming kingdom of God, to repent of their sins, to follow him, and then to go and do likewise. And yet, a good story cannot be contained And so Jesus' story indeed begins to spread throughout the region of Galilee. Now we must wonder, where are we in the story? Are we among the religious leaders who are dumbfounded by this man who walks in out of nowhere and begins to teach with authority in their sacred space? They've been teaching the traditions of their faith, handed down to them by the religious leaders who went before them. Their teaching is supported with quotes from these religious leaders. So they must be confused. They might feel threatened. 
as he teaches with authority, and even more so when he exercises the unclean spirits out of this man. What does this mean for them? For Jesus needs no human authorities to back his statements. When he speaks, God speaks. Led by the Spirit of God, Jesus confronts and destroys the power of evil as evidence right there in their midst. Or are we among the four fishermen who dropped their nets to follow Jesus and are beginning to have a slight sense, maybe, about this man of God, even as they too are still quite astonished by his words and deeds? Hmm, what could this mean? What are they supposed to learn from him? How is it going to change their lives? Or are we among the bystanders who are really questioning along with the leaders and the fishermen, who is this man? By whose authority does he teach and heal? Who has sent him? And more importantly for us, What does his presence, his teaching, his healing mean for us in our own lives? Will we have to change how we live our lives? Will we have to change the way we respond to each other, the way that we're in relationship with each other, the way that we care for each other? What does it all mean? Or are we like someone who's possessed by unclean spirits? Now, we don't know the problems of the man who came into the synagogue, but is there something within us that holds us hostage from following Jesus? Is there some resentment or even hatred? Is there some cynicism or sarcasm that we have when we're around some particular person? Is there some spiritual oppression or just a reluctance because we like how we live our lives according to how we want to live them? Where are we in this story? The writer of Mark knows that Jesus' demonstrations of healing reveal his power and authority just as his words and deeds do. So what does this storyteller, this writer of the gospel according to Mark, want us to grasp through his short stories of the life of Jesus? For all of those with ears to hear, for those present in the synagogue, for those who will hear his tales later, the transforming power of God is demonstrated by this man of God who teaches and heals with authority that comes from God alone. This is what we're supposed to grasp. He wants us all, religious leaders, new followers, bystanders, everyone, and us here this evening, to come to know Jesus, the Son of God, through all that he will say and do and experience We must be shown how Jesus always stands besides those who are suffering and oppressed, those who've been entreated unjustly and had their voices silenced, those who've had their their lives controlled by forces, unclean spirits, people, systems of inequity beyond their own agency. 
such as the man who comes into the synagogue that day possessed by an unclean spirit. Why is this? Why do we need to know this? Why does Jesus always, always tend to those who are most in need? Why does he teach and heal in this way? And what does he expect, demand from us? In a nutshell, Jesus' mission and ministry has everything to do with seeing justice served and love shared wherever it is missing. So what does he expect of me and you? What does he demand of you and me? One thing is for certain, this boundary-breaking, unclean spirit-dashing, law-transcending Son of God has arrived in the person of Jesus Christ, and he expects, demands all who want to follow him far more than astonishment and amazement and wonder. He expects, demands of us, me and you, action. First, we must change our hearts and trust in the good news of God's coming kingdom that Jesus brings. And then more action. Following Jesus' model, we must allow our own identities to be defined by lives of service offered to others and given in honor to God. Thanks be to God for masterful storytellers like the writer of Mark, who help us see so clearly the healing and freeing power of transformation when Jesus enters into our lives, when we, through the power of the Holy Spirit, drop our nets, hold out our hands, and accept the mantle that Jesus places in our hands to go and do likewise, seeing justice served and love shared throughout all the world. What does this man of mystery Expect, demand of me and you. It's to go and do likewise, beginning now. And to God be all glory, honor, and praise. Amen. Let us turn to God in prayer. Almighty God, we hear you calling to us. We hear you. We hear your voice. We pray, Almighty God, that we will be able to go and do likewise, that we will be able to follow wherever you call us to go so that we too may be those who carry forth your mission and ministry into all the world and that we too might be able in our lives to see justice served and love shared wherever it is needed. In Christ's name we pray, amen. If you'd like to stand with us, we're going to sing now, How Great Is Our God. The message that Susie just taught us, it shows Jesus' authority over unclean spirits. It shows that he is Lord of all.
If you're worshiping with us online, I invite you to go to the giving tab on our website, and there you can find the ways in which you can participate in the body of Christ here at GPC as we strive to carry forth God's mission and ministry into all the world. If you're worshiping with us in person, then um, there is an offering uh, tray at the back as you exit, and you can put your offering there in the offering tray. Let us now turn to God in prayer as we dedicate the offerings that will come, and also we offer our prayers of intercession. Let us turn to God in prayer. Almighty God, indeed, we bring to you our tithes, our offerings. We bring to you our very selves. And we pray, Almighty God, that as we bring them, you might bless them fully into your service, into the time of your coming kingdom. May it be so, we pray. We bring before you now the prayers of our hearts. As we think about the needs of those around this vast world, your hurting people, Almighty God, we we lift them up in prayer to you. We ask your prayers for our earth, for the air and the land and the sea, and we pray, Almighty God, that we might be the good stewards that you call us to be. We pray, Almighty God, for your people everywhere. We pray especially for those who are continuing to suffer around this world from this virus. We thank you that vaccines are being created, and we're thankful for those that are able to receive them. We pray for patience for those of us that continue to wait for our turn. We pray that all that we do will help to flatten the curve of this virus, and we might be able to, at some point in the near future, to return to life as we knew it once before that we can hardly remember now. We especially pray for those who are sick, those who are hospitalized, those who are on ventilators, those who are hurting so much. May they begin to respond to treatment. May your healing mercies be within them. We pray for those who are hurting and suffering from so many other illnesses, and we pray for your healing mercies to be with them. We pray for caregivers everywhere. We pray for medical personnel, for nurses and doctors and staff. We know they are exhausted. We pray every day that we might even honor their work by how we try to keep each other safe. We pray, Almighty God, for leaders around this world. We pray that each one will seek your guidance before they speak and act. So that it is your will that is done, Almighty God. We pray for our families. We pray for their health and their safety. We ask your blessings upon them. We pray for our church, our family of God here at GPC. And we pray for your church universal. May each one of us, Almighty God, be your servants and do your will. May we also seek your guidance before we speak and act, so that it is only your will that is done through us. May it be so, we pray.
And hear us now as we gather our many voices into one voice. And we pray the very prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, saying, Our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. All right, if you stand and sing, we got one more song we're going to sing. It's called Mighty to Save, and the chorus starts out saying, Savior, he can move the mountains. And I'm just going to speak for myself. Maybe you can relate. But so often I come into church, and I say these words out of routine, and, and not necessarily because I'm actively believing them, but because they're the words on the screen. Savior, he can move the mountains. But then as soon as I leave the building and I face a mountain, I crumble. And I know for some of us here, maybe online or or in person, we're going to leave this building. And on the other side of this service is a mountain. A mountain that you wake up to every day. Sickness and family. Whatever it is. As we sing this, let's not just sing it because it's the words on the screen. But let's remind our hearts that he is mighty to save. Amen. That's never failing. Let mercy fall on me. Everyone needs forgiveness, the kindness of a Savior, the hope of a nation. Sing this out, Savior. Savior, He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save, He is mighty to save forever, author of salvation. He rose and conquered the grave, Jesus conquered the grave. So take me as you find me. Take me as you find me, all my fears and failures, fill my life again, I give my life to follow everything I believe in, now I surrender. Salvation, he rose and conquered the grave. 
Jesus conquered the grave. Shine your light. Shine your light and let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Jesus, shine your light and let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Savior. He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation. He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Shine your light. Shine your light and let the whole world see. For the glory of the risen King, Jesus, shine your light and let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Shine your light and let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Into the world. Let your light shine. Go forth into the world to do the mission and ministry that Jesus Christ has left for us to fulfill. See that you can see justice served and love shared wherever it is missing. And as you go, may the love of God and the peace of Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit of God abide with each and every one of you binding you to one another and to Almighty God, now and forevermore, and let God's people say, Amen. He 
my God is mighty to save. 